Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Christ is risen from the dead. We've left the darkness of Good Friday behind us, the gloom of the crucifixion, the hastily buried body, and the dank smell of the rock-hewn tomb, the reverberating boom as the great stone was rolled into place, the tears of his mother, the wailing of the women, all past, all behind us. Friday was a day of darkness. Saturday was a day of darkness. Today is a day of light, joyful light, resurrection light. Had we been able to meet in the sanctuary, we would be looking at white pyramids draping the altar, the pulpit, the cross. And we would have been greeted with the fragrance and the beautiful sight of a garden of Easter lilies surrounding the altar. Of course, our present circumstances don't allow for that today. Maybe your plans for a family get-together have been canceled too. Perhaps this Easter will be a little simpler for you than in past years. And maybe there's some good in that too. It's easy to get caught up in the plans and the details of the celebration itself and not really give much thought to the actual event of Easter. That something very strange and mysterious happened on the eastern edge of the Mediterranean Sea in one of the small countries there around 33 A.D., I I went looking on the internet for stories about someone rising from the dead. I expected to find none, but I actually did find a couple. Uh, One of them was a story from Johannesburg, South Africa. Uh, There was a pastor there who, while people videoed on their phones, raised a dead man back to life. And there was another story about a man who had definitely died. Uh, The family had a large funeral for all the the relatives and friends, and when they were graveside, after the casket had been lowered down into the grave, and everyone was about to leave, everyone heard the man's voice from the coffin. Hello, it said. And then there was loud knocking. Hello, let me out. Now, what were your reactions to these two stories? If I were to guess at what your reactions were, I'd say that not one of you believed the first man was ever dead. In fact, there were a lot of postings of this story on the internet, and all but one condemned the pastor as a charlatan, as a fraud. Too easy to fake. And in the second case you might be surprised to hear that the family went ahead and buried the coffin. You see, they and the crowd around the grave took this to be what it was, a parting prank from a prolific prankster. According to statistics, there will be 153,424 people who will die in the world today 
from illness or accident or from natural causes, that's about 56 million people this year. Not one of them will come back from the dead. No one comes back from the dead. That's what makes Easter so glorious. A Jewish man named Jesus was put to death by the Romans. The official charge was sedition. His dead body was hastily laid out in a tomb minutes before the Sabbath began. The tomb was then sealed to thwart any attempt to fake a resurrection. And a Roman guard was commanded to stand watch, not just one Roman, but a group of Romans as a guard. The women who had watched him die had seen the tomb where they laid him, and then they rested on the Sabbath, as did his now leaderless disciples, all of them in sadness and fear. But as soon as the women could, they returned to the grave. They had bought some spices to give his body a decent burial, to make up for the lack of care that had been required in order not to break the Sabbath rest. And as they are hurrying toward the tomb, the thought dawns on them that they won't be able to get in. Now, now they're not worried about the seal and the Roman guard. The, the women weren't there when the guard was posted and the seal set. But in their fog of grief, they simply had not thought about the stone that closed the tomb. It would seem, from Matthew's Gospel, that the women arrived at the tomb and even beheld the soldiers. They witnessed the angel descending from heaven and rolling away the stone, the battle-ready soldiers dropping to the ground in great fear like men that were dead. Do not be afraid, the angel said to the women, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. For he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Never before, in the history of the world, and never since, has a man raised himself from the dead. Jesus had said, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. The Romans were good at killing people. They broke the legs of the two thieves hanging next to Jesus, so that they would die. And though Jesus was already dead, they, they used the spear thrust through his heart, to make doubly sure. And then that same dead man took up his life again. He had said before they killed him, destroy this temple, meaning his body, and in three days I will raise it up. They did their best to destroy his body. In fact, they made absolutely sure that they killed him. And then... He simply took back his life again. I guess you just can't keep a good son of God down now, can you? 
And of course, our faith is not founded on rumor, is it? The body was missing. The grave was definitely empty. That is a historical fact. It's recorded even in Jewish writings outside of Scripture, hostile writings. The reason given as an explanation is that his disciples came, overpowered the Roman soldiers, and made off with his body. This same ragtag group that ran away when he was simply arrested. Well, what about that, Pastor? What, what if the disciples really did steal the body? I'm so glad that you asked that question. Why would they have stolen the body? To what purpose? So they could live in fear of reprisals from the scribes and Pharisees? Because that's what they got. So they could be arrested and beaten? Because they were. So they could live a life of poverty and persecution? Because that's what happened. Or maybe so they could be killed for their faith? Because they were. And all of that for a lie? No, they had nothing to gain and everything to lose. And of course, we don't just have the empty tomb. The claims go far beyond that. In the weeks ahead, our readings will include actual physical appearances of Jesus. He showed himself to people, let them touch him, ate with them. Paul says the risen Christ showed himself to more than 500 people at one time. And when he says that, he's saying, go check the story out. There are eyewitnesses still alive. Ask them, and they'll tell you about it. You see, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Jesus is alive, as he told the disciples he would be. He told them plainly. He said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. But we don't believe because there are good arguments. We believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, because God has given us faith to believe. The Holy Spirit has revealed the truth to us working through the witnesses, through the word that has been handed down to us by the church, the body of Christ on earth, the church that gives witness to his atoning death and his incredible, magnificent resurrection from the dead. The faith we have is a God-given gift. You see, God has done it all. Because we believe, we profess, just as the women did upon returning from the tomb, just as the disciples did, who stood up on Pentecost and preached Jesus Christ crucified for the sins of the world, crucified for every one of our sins, risen from the dead, alive today, alive forevermore. We profess and confess and testify to the fact that Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. So what does that mean for you today?
how does the fact that a man named Jesus came alive again touch your life today, 2,000 years later? Well, it means that what he says is true. When he says, I'm going to be killed, and three days later I'll rise from the dead, and then he does it. Then when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, we can believe it. When he says, I am the resurrection and the life, he who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live, we can believe it. When he says your sins, no matter what they are, they are forgiven, we can believe it. When he says, take and eat, this is my body, take and drink, this is my blood, we can believe it. And when he says, I am coming back again one day to take you home, we can believe that too. When we're lonely or, or when we feel unloved, when we're sad or depressed, when it seems as it might these days that the world is falling in around us, or when we're just not sure where to turn, we can believe that Jesus is with us. We can talk to Him, pray to Him, ask Him for His help. He's gone through death and hell for you already. He's not going to abandon you now. The resurrection of Jesus means that He is truly Lord. In Acts chapter 2, Peter says, God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Peter writes in his first letter, He has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. And if Jesus is Lord, then he has established his kingdom, a kingdom not of this fallen, corrupted world, but a kingdom of saints, of forgiven sinners, a kingdom of hearts made holy, a kingdom of light and life, of peace and of joy that will have no end. Even so, he rules this world also, and he promises to work good in all circumstances for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Jesus' resurrection means that he is our great high priest, as Hebrews says. It means that Jesus has made satisfaction for sin by his once-for-all sacrifice. It means that he's entered into the most holy place, carrying not the blood of goats and bulls, but his own precious blood shed for you and me, poured out as the atoning sacrifice for each one of us. It means that our sins can no longer accuse us. They can no longer separate us from God our Father and Creator. Jesus' resurrection is absolute proof that God accepted Jesus' sacrifice as sufficient for our salvation. His resurrection also means that He is the firstborn from the dead. The firstborn 
because others will follow. Many more will rise to new life. In our baptism, the scriptures say, we have been crucified with Christ. And just as Jesus rose from the dead, so we too will rise. When we die, our souls go immediately to be with the Lord. But that's not the end. Our future is not some ethereal floating around in heaven as a spirit. Jesus' bodily resurrection seals us for that same glorious bodily resurrection, for a new and wonderful eternal life. No more illness. No more loneliness. No more pain or sorrow, grief, heartache, disappointment. No more sin. No more curse of sin. Only laughter and love and leaping for joy as we live in the presence of God the Father, our risen Lord Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forevermore. Amen. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Go now in peace and joy, knowing that the Christ who rose from the dead also dwells within you and will keep you steadfast until your resurrection day. Amen.